You're listening to the Sunday Session Podcast with Francesca Rutkin from Newstalk ZB. All the highs and lows talking the big issues of the week. The panel on the Sunday Session. And joining me today, we have journalist and editor Joe McCarroll. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Francesca. Good to have you with us. And our partner at Free Barn and Hair Lawyers, Liam here. How are you, Liam? Oh, hang on. That's me. My fault there, Liam. Hi, Liam. <laughs> I'm reasonably well. Thanks for asking. Good to know. Good to know. Hey, look, keen to start off with uh, you know our first interview this morning. We were talking about the water woes that so many councils and regions are experiencing, and and it's it I I every year when we have these conversations, I find it almost impossible that we're in the situation that we're in. Have have our councils and government actually completely failed us when it comes to our water infrastructure, Joe? I think, I mean, I know this is throwing the cat amongst all the pigeons, but we need to have a serious conversation about water. And I think we tried to have it and it was completely derailed. Um, And that brings us back to the discussion that we just didn't have around three waters. Yeah, I mean, I feel, Liam, like we've been talking about uh, the pipes in Wellington, the sewage in Auckland. Um, we've been talking about water being uh, infected, whether it's in Hawke's Bay or Queenstown, for years now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we, we haven't been talking about the lack of water restrictions in Kapiti or uh, the new wastewater uh, uh, treatment plant in, in, in Martin, uh, because the reality is that some councils... You know, have bitten the bullet, have, have increased rates to the, to the degree necessary, and have in fact invested in in, uh, in high quality water infrastructure and expanding water infrastructure, just so they don't happen to make the news. And so, I guess yeah, there is there is a problem across the country with a lot of councils that have deferred and deferred and deferred maintenance necessary works. And I guess one of the problems with free waters was that here in the Manawatu, two, for example, where we pay quite high rates relative to property values. Our councils put that work in, mm. and you know, so any bailout's got to be equitable along those lines. And look, I mentioned that to the CEO of Water New Zealand this morning, Liam. I said, look, some regions have gone and done the work and are, and, and are okay, but um, the response kind of was, no, look, really, the whole country isn't future proofed. We're not, you know, we, we all have a problem. You'd obviously disagree is, with that. Well, well, look, it's certainly a big problem insofar as that some of the very big jurisdictions and the bigger councils, you know, have, have, have you know, immense problems. Um, but what I, what I don't agree with is that, look, you know, in, in terms of local government being broken, uh, how many times have people voted for um, candidates who, who want to keep rates, who say they're going to keep rates down and spend on pet projects and things that are outside of the core of what councils should deliver? So I think any discussion's got to say, look, what are councils for? What do we empower councils to do? And do we let councils do all this extra stuff when they can't even when they've got forty four percent of the pipes in the in the in the city leaking? Who do you rely? Uh, you know, like yeah, who would you rely on to fix this, Liam? Is it local councils or the government? Well, the reality is, is that there's going to have to be some kind of central government intervention, right? Mm. It's going to be on what terms, right? And what are, are these terms that are going to um, ensure that councils don't get into this mess again? Um, and it's not a given that what that means is that the whole of the country has to be nationalised and brought into a scheme. Bearing in mind that you know a, a lot of the council, uh, councils, including including mine, 
Uh, we're opposed to three waters uh, for exactly the reasons I've highlighted. So, yeah, there's going to have to be a discussion, but that discussion's got to be fair to the councils around the country that have actually stepped up to the plate, bitten the bullet, you know, haven't deferred the maintenance. Because, Joe, you, you alluded to this, of course, there was a solution put in place and issues like co-governance and ownership and things overtook what was what we were trying to achieve, which was getting on and sorting out our infrastructure. And getting it, does, pipes feel, in the ground, yeah, it yeah. does feel like we're back to square one and it's just, it's, it's like, okay. And, and we keep having the same conversations. And I, I mean, I take your point absolutely, Liam. There are councils that have done the work and they've spent the money and, and you think, is it is it fair? Is it just that a, some blanket solution should be imposed. But we've got to be honest, we do keep having these conversations and it's not just about water. Everywhere you look, healthcare, education, roads, highways, bridges, yep. sewers, you know, we there are huge deficits. It is impossible to meet public expectations. And, I mean, I'm a bit embarrassed to have these conversations yep. about so you don't have drinking water, you can't swim in the sea. I mean, it, it just doesn't feel first world. So that's true, but we did... We did centralise the politics in response to education. We did centralise the health system in respect of um, your Health New Zealand. Have either of those centralisations? Have we got a good health system now? Have we got a good politics system now? You know, it's not good enough to, to point to the problem. The solutions have to be assessed as well. Well, yeah, and the solutions aren't just centralising solves it. It's more, but but we need. I don't know, some of these things, they are big intractable problems and they cannot be solved in an ad hoc regional manner. Well, no, and it seems like the first thing we need to do is give people the money to actually assess the situation properly so we know exactly what's going on, we know what needs to be fixed and then deal with how we're going to pay for it. I'd love to move on, guys, to uh, The Guardian had an article, uh, Boris Johnson had uh, written an article in his Daily Mail column, and the former Prime Minister argued that if Donald Trump backs, um, well, he's basically saying he's backed Donald Trump ahead of uh, November's US presidential election. The reason being is that he argues that if Trump backs the Ukraine in its war against Russia, his renewed leadership could be a big win from for the world. I'd love to get a comment from you. Is this what the world needs? Trump back in uh, the White House just as Boris Johnson has um, declared, Joe. Well, I think Boris Johnson will say anything for attention, you know. And to be fair, he is getting it, you know. I think that that column has been picked up all over the world. And, I mean, I think his logic is pretty shaky. There's quite a few stuff that he just reckons, like Trump has been quite clear that he won't back the Ukraine. Boris says, you know, nah, he probably will. (laughs) I'm not sure if it's – I'm not – I'm not – I mean, what does he say? What we like about Trump is his sheer unpredictability. I'm not sure if that's what we should look for in world leaders. Is he just but maybe like, I'm just the wokerati with the ice in my Negroni, you know? I I I I think Boris Johnson is the insufferable defending the unbearable basically and we shouldn't give him the oxygen of our time. Liam is he filling column column space? Oh look, as a non woke person I have to say I'm completely on board with Joe. You know, like that we do not we do not need another Trump presidency. Hopefully we might survive another Trump presidency. It's looking like it might rattle beyond the cards, uh, but it's something to be endured, I think, rather than to look for any um, a, 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 a sort of impossible opportunities there. It's, um, it's just a, a silly take from a person who doesn't have a lot of relevance anymore, really. I'd just love a quick comment from you both. Uh, uh Michelle Dickinson, a wonderful science contributor, brought in a study for us today talking about whether men 
better at navigating than women. And we discovered that men might be better at navigating than women, but only because their childhood involved more practice, not because there is a biological reason behind it. I'd love to know, Joe, in your experience, are men better navigators than women? I think some individuals are better navigators than others. I would say very, very freely that I have no sense direction at all. I have famously got lost walking down a straight road. But I remember reading a study years ago that said if you grew up in one of those streets that's on a grid, like um, Chicago or New York or actually Christchurch where I grew up, um, where all the streets are kind of north this and west that and, you know, everything's at right angles, you don't have the same navigational skills as an adult. So obviously this is a skill that is learned and improved through practice. And, yeah, if boys are exposed to a a greater range of those environmental experiences, then no wonder they're probably stronger at navigation as adults. Right, I've just made a note, Liam. I'm never going into the bush with Joe. Um, <laughs> your, your thoughts? Well, well Honestly, be the, the rescue services are lovely, and I say that from experience. <laughs> but the, the men, men may be better navigators on the whole, but this man is not a good navigator. And maybe Joe's <laughs> a nice, uh, you know, Palmer's North is very grid-like, but... Like, I can remember driving up to Auckland with my dad when I was a kid, and dad made me sit in the seat next, seat next, seat next, seat next to him with a mat. You know, I'm like, trying to navigate around Auckland using a mat, and it was so just, it was traumatic. Like, it was, I think my, my relationship took like five years to repair, and uh, <laughs> all I can say is, we don't need to navigate anymore because we've got phones, you know, we've got GPS. So, you know, it's... Um, Maybe me and I are better navigators, but thankfully for me, it's not so needed anymore. Oh, look, I appreciate your honesty, both of you. Liam here and Joe McCarroll. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more from the Sunday session with Francesca Rudkin, listen live to News Talk ZB from 9am Sunday or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.